0: I'm Toby Logsdon, and this is your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. In Proverbs chapter 5, verses 21 to 23, Solomon writes... For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. His own iniquities will capture the wicked, and he will be held with the cords of his sin. He will die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he will go astray. You know, people don't like being watched. That's a fact. That's why certain groups of people express outrage over the abundance of surveillance cameras around almost any given city. People in general tend to want two things. They want independence and privacy. When our privacy is violated, we feel violated, and yet these surveillance cameras appear to have a fairly drastic effect on how people behave. After strategically placing cameras around the city of East Orange, New Jersey, for example, law enforcement officials reported that the crime rate had dropped by 50% between the years of 2003 and 2006. That drop included murders, decreasing by two-thirds, one-third fewer cases of rape, and robberies were cut in half. Solomon is concluding the urging of his sons to stay away from adulterous women By reminding them that there's really no such thing as complete privacy. He says the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord. Being mindful of this fact is one of the keys in successfully avoiding sin. As Hanani told Asa, the king of Judah, the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. The point here is that God sees everything and keeping that in mind will affect our actions. It's undoubtedly better for him to find us as having a heart that completely belongs to him than for him to find us in sin. Next Solomon reminds his sons of something that he actually established back toward the beginning of the book of Proverbs, that sin will backfire on the wicked. Secret sins are especially dangerous in this regard. A man who's caught with an adulterous woman and whose sin is brought out of the darkness and into the public light is caught in the very trap that he himself set. While Solomon is specifically referring to sexual sin here, the same holds true for every sin in the long run, but those sins against one's own body are particularly obvious. For the person who abuses their body by overeating, for example, they risk things like heart disease and type 2 diabetes. For the alcoholic, they risk destroying their liver. For the smoker, they risk destroying their lungs or their esophagus. And for the person who engages in sexual activity outside of the context of marriage, They risk STDs, which can do everything from debilitating to killing a person. Solomon concludes this passage and chapter by telling them that this type of person will die for lack of instruction. For that reason, it's vital that the parent instruct their children in such matters. Teach them to fear and honor the Lord, and to be mindful of both the temporal and eternal consequences of sin that could be and should be avoided by holding to his advice, to Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. I'm Toby Logson, and this has been your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this is your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, Solomon writes, My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth, you are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Any time we read the Bible, we need to remember that it wasn't written with chapters and verses. Rather, the text was broken into chapters and verses much, much more recently in history. Thus, we have to read every verse in light of the previous verses and every chapter in light of the previous chapters. In the previous chapter of Proverbs, we saw Solomon urging his sons to avoid the temptation to engage in sexual sin. Solomon concluded the chapter by writing, His own iniquities will capture the wicked and he will be held with the cords of his sin. This does only happen with sexual sin, however. It can also happen with mistakes that we make verbally. That's what Solomon's telling us today. In our passage here, Solomon urges his son to be wise with what they verbally commit to doing. If you agree to co-sign a loan for a friend, Solomon tells us you're snared by the words that you speak in agreeing to do so. Worse yet, if you agree to, in any way, guarantee the financial commitment that a stranger has, you're snared by your own words. When I worked in a bank for a few years, I saw a lot of people come in and apply for loans. The policy of most banks throughout history has generally been that they won't agree to loan money to someone who doesn't have money or who doesn't appear as though they'll have the means of paying back the loan. However, in an effort to please stockholders and shareholders, many banks recently started creating ways of financing loans for people who couldn't afford as much money as they needed. The result? A real estate bubble that saw real estate prices skyrocket only for that bubble to burst, causing real estate values to plummet, taking the value of most people's 401k plans down in flames as well. Sadly, as foreclosures increased, people who had co-signed on loans for friends and family members were pursued with the same viciousness that the primary loan signer would have been pursued with. Solomon is telling his sons that if they've agreed to help co-sign on a loan for either a friend or a stranger, you've made a mistake. The truth seems to be that if a person can't afford to get a loan by themselves, you don't want to be the one responsible for their debt. Solomon does tell us the most peaceful way out of this scenario, however. Humble yourself and go to your friend, pleading with them to reconsider and to release you. As long as you're in the hand of your friend rather than a creditor, you do have time to back out. If such a request strains the friendship, maybe it's not really a friendship that you want to be a part of. Someone once said, Money can't buy friends, but it can buy you a better class of enemy. A friend who truly cares about you will understand and respect your concerns, and they won't hold your desire to back out against you. A real friend will release you from any commitments you've made in haste. We'd be wise to remember that money and friends don't mix very well, and that if you loan money to a friend... Don't expect to see that money again. That way it doesn't hurt the friendship if and when they don't pay you back. I'm Toby Logsdon and this has been your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this is your Daily Fix of Wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 4-8, to eight, Solomon writes, Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways, and be wise, which, having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. In our previous lesson, we took a look at Solomon warning his son about the dangers of agreeing to co-sign on a loan for a friend or a stranger. And his advice, for the sake of preserving the friendship, if you'll remember, was to humbly go to the friend and plead with them to release you from such an agreement. Solomon continues to instruct his son in our passage today in how to back out of a financial agreement with a friend. The first piece of advice was to humbly plead with them. The second piece of advice is to do it quickly. The longer you wait, The more difficult it'll be for both of you, and the more it'll strain the friendship. The moment that you agree to such an arrangement, your friend starts planning and dreaming accordingly. The longer you wait to back out, the more painful it'll all seem when they realize that it's not going to happen. Not on your bank account, anyway. To illustrate the quickness with which this should be done, Solomon contrasts the lazy person with the ant. Why? Because the ant is anything but lazy, by all appearances. Ants are among the most interesting creatures on the face of the earth, which is why ant farms, for example, have been incredibly popular for many years now. The ant is always busy doing something. And it's amazing to consider that this is how God created them. They don't need to have someone standing over them, prodding them, or forcing them to work harder or faster. By instinct, They're constantly working, busy doing something. Human beings, on the other hand, don't have this instinct of maintaining busyness. Communist governments have tried to create societies which resemble ant farms, with everyone constantly working diligently on a duty which has been assigned to them, but it doesn't work. People have free will, and people want to be lazy. Ants, on the other hand, are remarkably efficient in their work and never seem to rest. The result is that they're prepared for every season. The point that Solomon's trying to make here is that if ants aren't lazy because of their instinct, human beings shouldn't be lazy because of their intellect and common sense. Rather than putting off the things that need to be done, such as backing out of a financial agreement with a friend, the sooner it's done, the better. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this has been your Daily Fix of Wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Keep growing closer. To Jesus. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this is your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. In Proverbs chapter six, verses nine through eleven, Solomon writes, "How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep?" A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. In our previous lesson, Solomon attempted to instruct his son to be diligent, and illustrated diligence for him by pointing out some observations about the work habits of ants, which seem to be constantly busy doing something. Apparently, his son was unimpressed by this example, and thus Solomon continues in our passage today to discourage his son from learning to be busy doing Nothing. The lazy person would rather take a nap than do anything else. I know I need to get things done today, but I'd rather be sleeping and those things can wait. That's the way a lazy person reasons their way out of doing what needs to be done. This isn't to say that a nap can't be healthy. They can be. When it gets in the way of a person carrying out their responsibilities, however, it's definitely unhealthy. When the purpose of sleeping is for the sake of avoiding work, it's also unhealthy. The fact is that every moment in life... Is a moment given to us as a gift from God. And when we avoid responsibilities unnecessarily, we aren't being good stewards of the resources, abilities, or time that God has given us. Solomon spells out very clearly what the result of being a poor steward in this regard is poverty. He doesn't mean that everyone who's poor is lazy, but lazy people are far more likely to be poor. The person who doesn't want to face the realities of life won't have the money to pay for that bed to sleep on for long. The lazy person is not only sleeping when poverty creeps into their house, but they're not armed either and are thus unable to do anything to prevent its presence. Solomon is telling us that the person who makes a habit of being lazy is bound to wake up with poverty holding a proverbial weapon against them, at which point it'll be too late to do anything to stop the damage from being done. Laziness is dangerous business. I'm Toby Logsdon, and this has been your daily fix of wisdom on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus.